Hi, I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Hello, I am Jane Velez Mitchell. Honored to be with you here today with an extraordinary woman who could literally save the planet. This is no overstatement. Anne Palermo is the CEO and co-founder of the Future of Seafood, Aquacultured Foods, that uses something else, she'll explain, to create seafood without any fish being involved, without the overfishing and all the resultant problems that have occurred from overfishing without killing fish. This is extraordinary. She is a high-tech marvel. Welcome, and tell us all about your incredible company. Oh, well, thank you. What an introduction, Jane. I'm really honored to be here on your show today. Um, so Aquacultured Foods is quite literally changing the way that we eat seafood. Um, we are growing fermentation-enabled seafood products. They are all whole-grown, whole-food pieces of, of um, protein that is not refined. It's not processed. It doesn't use any kind of added fats, sugars, salts, or chemicals in order to make the product taste great just it's just naturally better for you option and we're really excited to bring the solution to market as we think it has a chance to just feed everybody globally now how do you do that i see this logo on your website says mushroom based seafood explain <laughs> yeah so what's so unique about this is it we are using proprietary strains of microorganism that are all fungi focused so what is so exciting is that what we're doing is we're growing strains of mycelium, which in effect is the root system of a mushroom. And we are growing these mushroom roots. They're naturally proteinaceous strains of, of, of um, microorganism, and we're growing them in a novel process that allows them to retain all micronutrients, all proteins, fibers, um, and it's very little of anything else other than those micronutrients I was sharing with you. And because of this, the product, it grows very, very quickly, and all it does is consume a basic substance of sugar water and some cheap nitrogen source, which means at commercial scale, it's going to be really inexpensive. And so it's a much better for you product. It's much more simple. It's ingredients that everyone understands. And in fact, the ingredient label includes nothing other than just our um, proprietary mushroom protein or fungi protein, water, and then flavor and color. But those are all vegetal based. So everything that you see here is all 100% uh, plant based, vegan friendly options. So tell me, how do you turn mushrooms into? fish because I've tasted mushrooms and it's been decades, but I did taste fish growing up. The two <laughs> don't taste anything alike. So what is that process whereby you get mushrooms to taste like fish? Yeah. So 
what we're able to do is it's not a straight mushroom. So it's not the fruiting body of the mushroom. It's not the mushroom cap. It's the root system that we're growing in a really novel way. Um, basically, we're just growing it in a liquid feedstock of nothing but sugars and waters and allow that product to grow. And we're growing it into a whole sheet, whole um, body, whole biomass product. And then we're just slicing it and forming it. So how we are creating the flaky layers that you see are familiar with when you're looking at or thinking about salmon is to basically make something very similar to how you would layer a cake. And so we have a layer of our, our aqua-owned uh, protein, layer of omega-3s, which we gelify, and then omega, and then another layer of the protein. And we just keep doing that a few different um, ways. And then we'll go ahead and slice it into really beautiful, um, what we call saku blocks. They are what you see at sushi restaurants, um, just little blocks of the protein. And then we go ahead and sell them to our, our restaurants that way. All right, we've got a caller. Uh, let's see here. Lindsay from Los Angeles, your question or thought for Ann Palermo. Yes, um, I'm really, really excited about this product. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me, Jane? Yes, we can. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm really excited about this product. Um, one of the things that I know about friends of mine that um, even sometimes call themselves vegetarians um, sorry, vegans, is that they still sneak and eat fish. And they say there's no, you know, there's nothing out there to replace fish to them and that they can't live without it, which to me, of course, being vegan is absurd. But I think the fact that this is going to be something completely different that really looks just like the real thing is so exciting. And I'm hoping that this can really take off and uh, transform people. So thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Sorry, Jane, I cut you off there. No, <laughs> no. I think that the, the point, though, is is very interesting point is that a lot of people say, I can't give up fish. The, the two things you hear are, I can't give up cheese and I can't give up fish. So how soon is this going to come to market and in what form? Yeah, that's a great question. So we are going to be starting to do product drops with pop-ups, restaurants, uh, starting in January and we're going to, everything's going to be in food service. And part of the reason that we really chose to go the food service or the restaurant route is about 70% of all Americans that consume seafood, consume it in, um, restaurants or out of home eating environments. And so we really want to just meet our customer where they're at. And with our products, uh, they're right now optimized to be eaten raw. So we're going to partner with either sushi restaurants or some of the high end restaurants that have things like, tuna tartare on their menu or a scallop carpaccio or a salmon mousse. And the great thing about our products is because through the fermentation process, we're able to eliminate all off tastes. And so we don't have to add things like chemical masking agents to cover up like a beanie note that you see or taste when you have a pea-based protein. Ours tastes of nothing but water. And because of that, when we add flavor, all again, vegan and vegetarian-based flavors, they the, the eating experience is nearly identical because we're not trying to mask an off taste. Interesting. And, you know, Juan Carlos Lopez says, I ask, what is more important for a good person, his palate and his stomach or his heart and his soul? Wow. Very, very um, lyrical question there. But the point is that the majority of people, no matter what you want to say, for them, it is quite often 
their taste buds that count the most. And what you're saying is they don't have to sacrifice their taste if they want fish. I personally, uh, even thinking about many decades, I do not crave um, the taste of fish. Uh, even when it was available to me, I thought I was growing up to Lindsay's point in a vegetarian household, but we were actually primarily pescatarian household. And we didn't really think of fish as being meat, but it is. Just because we can't hear them scream, that doesn't mean fish don't feel pain. They do. And they are much more intelligent than society gives them credit for. New scientific studies show that. So what you're saying is people can have something that looks like fish, that has the texture of fish, that tastes like fish, but it has zero fish. This is not a cultured meat or a cell-based meat issue. This is 100% vegan. A hundred percent. Yeah. Everything about it, flavors, colors, the protein itself, everything is comes from plant or uh, mushroom kingdom. So yeah, hundred percent vegan. Now let me ask you this question. Oh, we've got a, a caller, Bessar in Los Angeles, your question or thought for Ann Palermo of Aqua. Hi, this is Cesar, uh, co co uh, director of LA Fish Save. I'm just wondering how, how fast can people get a hold of this product and where is it going to be available? And I just want to say it's so amazing that you have uh, created this product that you can save millions of fish and save the planet and save all of us one bite at a time. And it's, it's just really amazing. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, we're really, we're really working towards that. Very excited. We're going to be starting to do product launches, um, drops starting in January. So if you'd like to find a way to work with us, please reach out on our websites, info at aquaculturedfoods.com. Um, very interested in, in talking with you about the opportunity. Thanks so much for, for calling in. Yes, and I know Cesar, uh, and he is the head of the Los Angeles Fish Save. They protest outside aquariums. People don't even know there is an aquarium at the Santa Monica Pier, and they have had protests there and essentially trying to convince people that Yes, fish also feel pain and that fish are being killed. In fact, they say 80 billion animals are killed every year for food, 80 billion already. That is more in one day killed than all the humans who have died in all the wars in human history. But if you add fish into the equation, the death toll, the yearly death toll is in the trillions of animals and it's also having an impact on climate change. So can you address that? Because there are so many uh, funds now that talk about sustainability and uh, people and companies, particularly trying to invest in sustainability, but they often leave animal agriculture out of the equation. Is that changing? And what is Aqua? Uh, what's Aqua's role in that? Yeah, well, it has to change. It has to change. Um, moving to an alternative protein lifestyle or plant-based lifestyle has been proven to be the fastest way to have the most significant impact on halting climate change. Um, also saving our oceans. Our oceans are the number one carbon sink globally, even larger than the Amazon. And so these are all things that we really have to take into consideration if it comes to making significant lasting impact in halting climate change. Um, on top of that, we just, um, our global population just reached 8 billion people last week. 
We're on track to hit 10 billion people in 30 years. And the only way to feed these people is to have alternative lifestyles and through technology, I'm sorry, alternative proteins, plant-based lifestyle, and through technologies and, and food tech advancements. So it's really, really crucial that these things come to market. And I feel like um, the, the, the faster population grows, the more vital having these kind of technologies come to market is going to be. And there's going to be a point when eating a plant-based lifestyle is no longer an option. It is everybody's um, day-to-day life. So um, we've got another caller, Paige in Los Angeles, your question or thought. Hello. Um, Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm curious, and I think a lot of vegans are getting confused with cultured sell and processed um, meats and fish and so forth. So I'm just curious, do you use any cells of any of the animals, the fish and so forth? I know that you're fungi based, but I'm just curious if you can um, explain that to us. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. We're actually going to be changing the name of our company and dropping the cultured to avoid that kind of confusion. We are all fungi-based. We're not using any animal cells whatsoever. It's really important for us to completely replace animals. Um, And so our products do not use any animals or animal products or cells at all. Everything is 100% vegan and plant-based. However, companies that are using um, animal cells, it is just a small amount of animal cell that's grown inside of a bioreactor. It's a very interesting process, but that's not our personal ethos. So I want to ask you, because I honestly believe having researched this entire space, uh, food, veganism, animal rights, climate change for decades now, it seems like, well, we have to get to the 3.5% of people who are plant-based in order to reach the 30%. That's what sociologists say. The ultimate solution is to provide people with an alternative to meat, dairy, eggs, and fish. So this is becoming increasingly urgent because of climate change. And now you see the reality that animal agriculture, which includes fishing, is a huge contributor to climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction. Um, The list goes on and on. Um, ocean dead zones, for example, the trawlers that just take everything in the sea and they capture the turtles and the whales and the dolphins. And it's, it's, uh, it's a massacre going on there on the oceans. Are the companies that you deal with, the big venture capitalist hedge fund companies, do these people who run these companies get it that this is what's literally standing in the way of a climate apocalypse and us surviving as a human species? Are they aware of the magnitude of the problem and the fact that food is such a big issue when it comes to climate and that this product that you have could literally mean the difference between extinction and survival? 
Yeah, um, you really hit the nail on the head with that one. I think a lot of the big VCs and a lot of the corporates are starting to truly understand what's going on. And I think part of the reason for that is a lot of the, the global corporations and food suppliers are starting to see instability in their own food supply chain of animal proteins. And so they are looking outside to try to find really fantastic alternative proteins, that, um, companies and startups that they can work with in order to help them achieve some sort of uh, supply chain stability. And then um, those corporates are also helping and working with VCs to help them see and understand what's really and truly going on and understand the big picture. And the more, the more everybody is being educated, the more people are learning what's truly going on and how this isn't, uh, wouldn't it be nice if everybody switched to plant-based diet more along the lines of this is our only option. This is our absolute only option. And so the more that this message is communicated, the more it's out there, the more it's understood and heard and learned about, the more venture capital is starting to truly come in and understand that, that this is a need. We've got yet another caller, Nilo Farr from Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for Ann Palermo, CEO of Aqua. Hi. Um, the future is vegan, thanks to you and your company. Um, yeah, and as Jane was just explaining a moment before, and for those of us who have seen conspiracy, we understand how morally corrupt this um, uh, fishing industry is and how it's uh, contributing to uh, us um, barreling down towards destruction. So, um, so this, what you present is very, very interesting, very exciting. And um, the way you explained it, you take the roots from, uh, from mushrooms and you grow them in sugar and water and then you spread them into whole sheets and slice them. Um, it's, it's brilliant. Technically, it's brilliant. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about your technical background. Are you a materials engineer? Thanks. That's a really great question. Um, I developed the product. However, I do have a team behind me. My background is mostly in finance and product development, but I have a, I have a really strong team of scientists and PhDs, and then I work with some universities as well. And so the, the company has definitely grown beyond you know, just the founding team. Um, I have to ask you the details. I cannot wait for this to come to market. Um, couple of questions, just every, so many questions popping to mind. One, are you going to get into pet food? They say that uh, just dogs and cats in the United States alone would be like the fifth largest meat eating country in the world. <sighs> Obviously cats tend toward fish. Um, would you be able to provide a cat food or would it be prohibitively expensive? A uh, cat food is part of our roadmap. So yes, we're working for, you know, we have to maintain a focus, you, you know, what is that old expression, the person that chases, chases two rabbits catches neither. So oh, well, let's not use that analogy. I'm yeah. sorry, I will never correct you, but speciesist analogy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant it as old. <laughs> Turn a phrase. How about rescue? How about rescue? I like it because we're actually going to do a documentary, hopefully down the road, about speciesist language and come up with alternatives. How about the rescue, the animal activist who tries to rescue two rabbits at once doesn't rescue either. There you go. Go ahead, Anne. 
That works just as well. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, so we have to focus on what's in our immediate roadmap, and that is our sushi products and um, getting those products to market and achieving that product market fit. But we do have as part of our roadmap to create um, uh, pet food products. That's yeah, really important. You know, cats in particular, they're very, very picky. And it's not only a flavor, but it's a textural um, issue for cats as well. Um, so what we have to do and as part of part of our R&D in that is testing with cats. But the great thing about our products is because they are grown in whole sheets of, of material, uh, whole sheets of this mushroom product. It, when we grind the product, we put it through tr the same kind of equipment or the same legacy equipment that is used in tra traditional um, meat industry. And so because of that, we're able to very closely replicate the texture of a ground meat as well as the texture of a, of a whole cut meat. And so that is one way that we can really adeptly um, uh, meet the, the problems or the associations that, that many animals, cats in particular, have with alternative proteins. Well, let me ask you this question because so many people say, well, uh, I need my amino acids. I need certain things from fish that I can't get anywhere else. I need those. Do your products contain those very things that people are always, even doctors trying to urge people to eat fish for the omegas, for the omegas? Yes. Yes. You know, that's when we decided to go ahead and create our products, we had to look at why do people eat seafood? Well, it's the taste, it's the texture, but it's also that nutritional profile. And seafood in general does have a health halo. So with our goal is to truly penetrate in the mainstream market, what we had to do is create a product that is going to appeal to people on every single level. And so, yes, we do add omega-3s. In fact, our products per 100 gram serving has more omega-3s than salmon, more omega-3s than tuna, more omega-3s than cod. We're adding about 2,500 milligrams of omega-3s per serving, and they're all plant-derived. The great thing about uh, the great thing about omega threes is fish get omega threes from algaes, and so by so the fish don't create them themselves. So we're able to have the same um, high value omega threes and DHAs as the fish have without having to eat the fish because we are able to turn the microalgaes into the omega threes. So, is there anything that would be for let's say a veterinarian or whatever, is there anything missing that they would say, well, no, they have to have this real tuna or this real salmon or this real white fish. They can't have this just to, just to get that out of the way. Cause you know, there are going to be people who are going to try to find every which way to say, no, they still have to have their fish. No, there's no reason anybody, anybody would have to have real fish over what we're creating. No, aquacultured foods, aqua foods, we are creating the perfect one-to-one -one, um, experience, eating experience, replicating the eating experience, the cookability of the product, the um, and overall nutritional profile, and with our goal at scale to be significantly undercut the price of seafood. Oh, okay, so now you've raised a huge question because everybody says, well, yeah, this is all great, but the... Um, fermented <clears throat> products, okay, the alt proteins are so expensive, they could never compete with the actual 
animal-based meats that are only cheap because our U.S. government heavily subsidizes them to the tune of many tens of billions of dollars every year. In fact, the Farm Bill is coming up in 2023, and there are many efforts to try to get our government to subsidize actual fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes that humans eat, as opposed to subsidizing either animal agriculture directly or subsidizing the commodity crops that go directly into feeding farmed animals who are eating a huge percentage of the food grown on this planet, which is contributing to human world hunger. So meat is a very inefficient food source. It takes You can quibble about the numbers. Is it two pounds, five pounds, eight pounds, 25 pounds of grain to create one pound of beef? But we know that beef is inefficient compared to uh, plant-based foods. Obviously, cows and pigs and chickens and turkeys and goats, lambs are eating continuously, especially when they're kept in confinement, which is designed to simply fatten them up. I mean, this is... Um, what I'd like to show you is these are pigs' gestation crates. These are how pigs are kept in crates the size of their bodies, never able to turn around. And of course, they go stark raving mad. They're smarter than dogs. But the whole idea is that they just eat, 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 eat constantly or sleep and defecate. And then they're killed as babies at approximately six months of age. That's what we're looking at, people here. So those of us who say, well, you're very strident about your animal activism, I say, look at that pig gestation crate and hundreds of thousands of animals in these giant warehouses kept like that and say, I don't care what your religion is. What would belief say? What would Jesus say? What would Buddha say? This is morally wrong. We all know it. One, if you can look at that and say, that's a good idea, go see a therapist. That's what I say. Um, so we have to come up with an alternative and the alternative, the great news is It's better for us. It's healthier for us. It's better for the planet. It helps combat climate change because animal products have a much higher carbon price tag than plant-based products. And and let's do this. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Sorry about my little speech. When I see those photos, I, I have to speak about it because they can't speak for themselves. What is the climate price tag of your fishless fish versus fish? So right now we're still evaluating the actual numbers. We're at pilot scale. Uh, well, we're at bench scale. We're moving up to pilot scale starting in a, a new facility in January. What so does that mean? what does that mean? Yeah. So that means right now, everything that we're producing is very small scale. It's very small batch. And so because of that, our, um, because of that, it's really hard for us to figure out what our exact carbon footprint is. Everything is theoretical. We're going to start to take actual numbers once we're at pilot scale. And pilot scale means that we're going to make around 5,000 pounds of product per month. Uh, We're going to be at that scale for around 12 months. And then after that, we're going to move on to a much larger, significant volume commercial scale facility. That that facility there is when we're going to be able to achieve mass market penetration. Um, Until then, we are at a little bit smaller scale. And so the numbers are a little harder for us to quantify. But what I can say is that we are using a fraction because we're using a vertical gardening technology. So we're growing up. So we're using a fraction of the amount of land that is, is required for anything, whether it is um, seafood, whether it is lettuce, whether it's pea protein, we're using a fraction of that amount of land. And then because of everything that we're using is all commoditized ingredients, costs are going to be very, very low. And then it only takes us around 
uh, seven to 10 days to grow our whole cut pieces of our, of our premium seafood. And that allows for just drastically reduced amount of time. Wow. This is extraordinary. So when can we expect to see this in the supermarkets and in the restaurants? That's the big question. Yeah. So we're, we're on track to start doing restaurant pop-ups uh, starting in January. So. Wow. Oh my gosh. I am literally almost shaking right now. Uh, this is so exciting. You know, we get tough news, bad news uh, quite often in our movement when we see people who don't get it, when we see um, slanted reporting by mainstream media against us. But when we hear something like this, this is a game changer, people. You are watching history in the making because this literally can mean the difference between uh, life as we know it on this planet surviving and us all going bye-bye. We are barreling toward a climate apocalypse. This is not me saying it. It's uh, Sir David Attenborough. You can see a great uh, documentary he has. I think it's on Netflix, Breaking Boundaries. And of course, you can watch tons of documentaries about this stuff uh, totally for free on Unchained TV, our global streaming network, which is available on your phone for free. Just put in Unchained TV. Or you can go to uh, unchainedtv.com and watch online, or you can watch it via Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, you can watch it via your Apple TV device or your Roku device. But we have documentaries showing that we need to transition to a plant-based food system, or we could literally barrel toward extinction. And it's not just me saying it. I mean, you have Extinction Rebellion in Europe, you know, holding protests saying, we're, we're in a big crisis kind of like that movie, Don't Look Up, where this woman says to the newscaster, there's a meteor, we're all going to die. And the newscaster's like, stop being so strident, lighten up. Yes, we have to come up with solutions. And this is a solution that requires no sacrifice, no sacrifice in taste, no sacrifice in nutritional value. It's better nutritionally. Um, you know, why is, is the U.S. government getting behind this? Um, you know, I think there's going to be there's going to be um, changes in regulation. The government's going to have to start getting involved more and more. Um, the more the more and more education that keeps getting out there, the more vocal everybody is. The more plant based activists are out there getting the message out. People are going to start listening, and because of that, I, I truly think there is going to be government starting to allow for more and more grants and funding. And the FDA um, did some approvals recently. We'll talk about that uh, on the other side. Stay right there. Very exciting. The CEO of Aqua, Fishless Fish, coming to your supermarket and restaurant in 2023. Stay right there. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re entering a portal to a transformative way of living. Yes, welcome to Unchained TV, your free TV, which covers issues that is not covered, that are not covered by mainstream media. Um, the, the person we're interviewing today should be on the front page of the New York Times and the Washington Post and the lead story on CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, PBS, the whole works because she's coming up with a fish that doesn't require fish. That means we don't destroy the oceans. We don't have ocean dead zones. We don't have uh, the reefs being destroyed. We don't have turtles and dolphins and whales being swept up in these giant nets that these trawlers sweep across the bottom of the ocean. Uh, And um, there are so many other benefits. So reintroducing Ann Palermo, the CEO of Aqua, uh, give us, for those just joining, the timeline of what you are selling and when it will come to market. Yeah. So here at Cultured Foods, what we're doing is we're creating a perfect one-to-one replica of traditional seafood. We're doing all this by using a fermentation-enabled technology. It's all proprietary for us, and it has a fungi focus. So what we are doing is growing whole grown sheets of um, fungal protein or mushroom protein in a really interesting and exciting way using a liquid feedstock. It's allowing us to truly replicate the whole eating experience from not only a nutritional point of view, but a taste and texture and even appearance point of view. Plus, uh, at commercial scale, we will be able to beat price parity and undercut the price of traditional seafood quite significantly. Until then, while we're still at um, pilot scale, 
we will be able to be close to traditional seafood price parity, which is really exciting. And we're going to be launching with select restaurants and pop-up restaurant menus starting in January. And uh, you're going to be doing taste tests, right? Yes, we are. Yeah, we're already doing taste tests. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. So if people want to invest in this, I know there are these uh, funds, like we did a story on the Vegan Investing Club, where there's companies that haven't gone public yet, where people can invest um, through crowdfunding. Do you have anything like that? That is a great question. So most of our investors are all venture capital investors. Uh, from what I understand, though, I know that there is a angels an angel syndicate right now being raised by uh, a group of angel investors on AngelList right now to help continue to, to contribute to our current fundraising round. When it comes to how individuals can invest outside of that, I just, I'm not sure. I'm just, I don't know. You might want to just speak with your investment advisor. I know that you have to be a, um, what is it? Oh, I can't, I can't remember the term, but you have to be a specific type of investor that's pre-qualified. Got it. Okay. we got another call. Tom in Chicago, your question or thought for Ann Palermo. Hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question was, uh, there's a lot of fish byproducts that are used in our foods. Uh, anchovies, for example, it's so important to read your labels. Uh, my question was, you have enough of that market to tap into that sort of deal where instead of using fish byproducts in food, you're able to use your product as a substitute. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Great question. Yeah, that is really great. So, um at commercial scale, yes, we should be able to create products at a low enough cost that we'll be able to replace um, products, fish byproducts with our product. However, we're not there yet. We're not a mass market play yet. We will be once we're at commercial scale. But until then, we have to really focus on um, the high-end restaurants. And part of the reason for that is it's going to create a really strong sales story to help us get more and more restaurants that are excited and want to purchase our product. It's going to help get the word out there that something new and exciting is on the market. It's going to help us to get our early customer base and just really grow the company from there. Um, eventually, though, yeah, we, we do hope to completely eliminate fish from the food system. And so in order to do that, we have to be able to have products that can replace everything, not only on the premium side, but the mass market side, the everyday eating experience. Now, I have a couple of provocative questions. One, have you gotten pushback from the fishing industry? <laughs> because we know that anytime you talk about these, yesterday I was just leafing through channels and there was an entire channel and a show devoted to the war on meat and it was like oh wow this is interesting it, we must be getting somewhere if they're doing an entire um, special report on the war on meat take it away yeah that's a, <laughs> we do get our fair share of um hate from the fishing industry not gonna lie about that uh, our our main goal is not to interrupt the individual small farmers looking to sustain themselves what we're trying to do is disrupt the unethical practices we're trying to you know that's going on with the global commercial fishing industry with their bottom trolling with the problems with all the bycatch with all the fish that they're killing they're 
they're overfishing. Many, many species of seafood are going into extinction completely off the shores of the coast in China. There's very little fish. They have all their fishing vessels of now going and they're over overfishing in um, off the coast of South America. And it's, it's truly devastating. It's awful what's happening. And and we're trying to make a dent in that. We're trying to save our oceans. We're trying to feed the world sustainably, and really, truly, um, I, I think the I think the the commercial fishing industry is afraid, and and they're not afraid to make their voices known. Interesting. I have a question. Well, maybe a suggestion, and just take it for what it's worth. <laughs> I think Eleven Madison Park has been voted many, many times as the world's best restaurant. And during the pandemic, or maybe right around that time, they went vegan, they went plant-based and it created an uproar. And uh, there were several, what I would call carnist reviews, even though I personally had friends who went there and said it was the most incredible dining experience that they had ever, ever, ever had, that it was extraordinary. And 11 Madison Park survived the backlash. They are still considered either the or one of the world's top restaurants in New York City. And uh, anything they do, because they have a waiting list of like thousands and thousands and thousands of people, if you try to get a reservation, (laughs) better be ready to wait about a year. But they get a lot of publicity. And I think if you were to get this product at 11 Madison Park, that would get the attention of the powers that be and the best and the brightest. By the way, the best and the brightest was a sarcastic title. Uh, The best and the brightest brought us the quagmire of the Vietnam War. But you would get those VIPs, those people who go to the Metropolitan uh, Gala, the Met Gala, the people who read the New York Times cover to cover, those people. Have you thought about trying to get to 11 Madison Park for one of your pop-up taste tests? Uh, yeah, that, that would be a dream of ours. Yeah, we have not yet reached out to them, but if you know anybody over there, <laughs> I'd love an intro. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I know uh, two friends who went, and uh, they said it was the dining experience of their lives. They absolutely loved it. Uh, so I'll reach out to them. You never know, right? You could always try. You could always stand in front of the restaurant and catch um, the famous guy who runs it going in. Um, you know, that's how I got some of my interviews with people who uh, I was told you'll never get the interview. And I got an interview years ago with Robert Redford by hiding behind a dumpster. <laughs> By the way, one of the nicest guys on the planet was very sweet and actually stopped and talked to me. So, um, yes, um, you know, we've got films like Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy that document the problem with overfishing and the way industrialized fishing is destroying our oceans. Um, When you talk to these hedge funders, do you get the opportunity to educate them these are highly intelligent people. Obviously, they're making billions of dollars. Um, it 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 seems always almost incredulous to me that they, that there's still this disconnect, um, and they don't see how this pe- enough people are not enough bright people, otherwise intelligent people are not seeing how catastrophic what we're doing to the oceans 
is and how this is such a massive, huge solution. I mean, if I could magically wave my, my wand and be uh, you know, president of the United States for one day, I would say, let's put a whole bunch of money into this. We're trying to fight climate change. We are actually funding climate change by subsidizing the meat and dairy industry, which is a huge contributor to a greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we've got ocean dead zones that are increasing around the world. We've got a crisis in the oceans. Let's fund this and come up with a solution. I mean, do you get to talk to government? Yeah, you know, I am part of a couple think tanks in order to help spread the word and educate the educate the public, become more involved with lobbying for governmental assistance and funds and policymaking. It's really important to just get the word out there and the education that you're mentioning. It's crucially important, especially when it comes to alternative seafood. And part of the reason for that is, as we mentioned earlier, our, uh, seafood has a health halo. People are told that they should eat more seafood, but that is because most people don't know um, how overfished our oceans are. And about 90% of all wild fisheries are currently categorized as overfished. 170 countries have unmet demand for seafood. And then in spite of all this, uh, demand for seafood, global demand for seafood is still expected to increase by 30%. And I, there's just, how are we going to be able to meet this demand without alternatives coming into place. And so, yeah. I want to jump in and say, when you talk to hedge funders, do you say those things? Do yes. you say those things? Like, uh, we're running out of fish. We're going to have fish extinction, and then you're going to be in a real problem. Why not do it now before the, all the fish go extinct? I just read, and I don't want to misquote because there's so much information coming in, but I believe I read that Whole Foods is going to stop uh, certain um, lobsters. Uh, because they've been overfished. Um, but what about the fish? Uh, progress, not perfection. Anytime a, a store takes an ethical stance like that. Uh, but then you read about octop octopus farms that they're trying to create uh, in Spain. And I know there's a whole campaign against those octopus farms. And octopus are highly intelligent creatures. Oh my God, what a travesty. Uh, so, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Are you confident are you hopeful? Um, I'm I'm extremely confident and hopeful. You know, I don't. I think that they're kind of married to each other. You can't have one without the other. But yes, there's a lot of a lot of educating that has to be done when we're speaking with venture capital companies. There's a lot of educating that has to be done when we're speaking with the corporates, especially on the seafood side. Because in America, um, people in, just eat a lot more beef and chicken and less seafood in general. So the, the problems going on with our oceans are not as, people don't see it as strongly. It's not in their face. So there has to be a lot of education done. But then on top of that, as you were talking about the fish farms and the lobster farms and especially the octopus farms, I, I that one in particular, like they're sentient beings, they're extremely intelligent, and I don't see how anybody could um, eat them once you kind of know and understand exactly how intelligent they are. And so I'm very hopeful in that regard that that will stop, but um, that's outside of the scope of what what I'm creating. Um, and I have to say, because sometimes... I think all of us who are trying to come up with solutions kind of freak out. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, 
I've got so much to do. I've got to, you know, do you, how do you keep it together when you've got such a monumental task? I mean, are you aware that your product um, is literally standing between uh, ocean apocalypse and survival? You know, I think that's what it, I think that's what it takes in order to push through every day because my to-do list is insane. And I, I'm really fortunate. I've got an extremely strong team with me. Our team is growing. We've got really fantastic people. My co-founder, Brittany Chibi is really wonderful. Um, but we're doing a lot. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that we truly believe we're changing the world and we're doing something that the, the world needs in order to sustain life for 10 billion people, uh, when you kind of have that strong of a mission, it, it, it helps drive you and keep you going forward, even on the days when you're sick, even on the days you're tired. Um, and, and I think that's what you need in order to impact massive change on the world. Yeah. So, um, what can the average person do? Obviously, we can support this by talking about it. Share out this video, people. Share it out if you want to be part of the solution. It's that easy. Hit the share button. Um, but the other thing, I think the bottom line question I have to ask you, acceptance, consumer acceptance. People are so afraid of the unknown and, you know, I'm not pointing the finger. I can be that way, too. If somebody gives me something that I've never tasted, eh, I don't know if I want to try it, right? Even if it's vegan, obviously I'm vegan. But um, how do you get over that hurdle? Yeah, I think the great thing about what we're creating is the fact that it's all fungi-based. And people understand mushrooms. They understand fungal proteins. And they understand the benefits of it. So the hurdle to trying new things in that aspect is is... Um, going to be easier to accomplish. You know, people have had nutritional yeasts for ages. They understand what all that is. I And so I think our consumer, at least the consumer that we're targeting is very well educated and in, in is seeking these solutions out. Um, there is going to be continual education though for the mainstream market for the meat eating consumer. But that is one that we plan to overcome by starting our product launches in restaurants because if somebody tries it on a mess on a menu with their friends, they understand how it's supposed to be when it's made perfectly with uh, chefs that, you know, whose job is to make something taste as good as possible. And by just introducing a customer to a product in its finest form, we hope that that is going to translate when they can eventually buy it in rest in uh, grocery stores. Yeah. And I think maybe like, uh, you know, we have to be bold and I'll just point to uh, Pinky Cole has a uh, slutty vegan is her brand name. It's intentionally provocative. It's a vegan chain that has taken off. She is now, according to her, like a hundred million dollar company heading toward a billion dollars. Um, and she did a tour uh, called the Pinky Cole Experience that was very flamboyant, very exciting. Um, food trucks outside, um, celebrities getting on stage with her. We're going to put up a report about that on Unchained TV uh, today. And so um, I think that sometimes, you know, we, since we know we have a good product, we might not do the kinds of over-the-top things that that really get the public's attention would you consider doing something like that? Like, 
a aqua experience tour, get some vegan celebrities. We know uh, Kim Kardashian has uh, been a spokeswoman now for uh, Beyond Meat, I believe. Um, you know, uh, there's got to be a way to introduce this to capture the public's imagination. So we're not talking about fungi. I, I personally don't think fungi is a very appetizing word. Why do we have these incredible products with these terrible titles like nutritional yeast, fungi, Satan? I'm like, stop. Um, what what can we do to market this cleverly to make it very attractive for people where you would have lines down the block? You have an event with a news conference with celebrities. You have a food truck serving this to people. Um, Kevin Hart recently opened a restaurant here uh, near LAX and down in LA. And the lines were down the block, a vegan restaurant around the block. Uh, it wasn't vegans. It was people who love Kevin Hart, the comedian. And they were, they loved the food. They lined up. It, it's about this marketing, like really over the top marketing is almost what's required today to get through the, the uh, plethora of products and advertising and images that are hitting us every day. I mean, that's what, that's what I would think would really set this apart, not some traditional launch. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to take too. You just have to get the, we just have to get the word out. We have to let people know something like this exists. It's coming. It's going to be everywhere. This is where at we're, where we're at today. Uh, this is where we're going. This is where we're going to be, but it's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. Um, but that's why kind of having the right partners early on is going to be so important for us to just build up that story, help get the product market fit, help customers know that we exist so that once we're able to be um, produced on a larger scale and can be in more locations, um, people already know about it and they've heard about it. They've been wanting to try it for, you know, six months, eight months, a year. And um, that is what I think is going to really take. And it's not just with Aqua, it's, it's with all companies um, in the plant-based arena. You just kind of have to build it. You have to build the excitement. You have to let people know it exists. That's why marketing is just crucially important. Absolutely. And uh, I think the reason I say those two is that those are examples that I've seen of the best marketing. Okay. I see marketing all the time. That's not effective. Those two, whatever they did was super effective. It got tons of media. Kevin Hart was interviewed on Yahoo News, um, and that was shared all over the place. But they were over-the-top marketing efforts. They weren't just your traditional marketing efforts. They were like um, a Broadway show tour. You know, I think that's what's called for. Um, a couple of quick questions. People want to know, where are you located? We only have a couple of minutes left. Where are you located? And are you going to send this to China? Great questions. Um, we're located in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and we do have plans to get to send the product to China. America's first. This is where we live. This is where we know the market. This is where our customers are. This is the market we understand and can perfect. And something that is really interesting that you may or may not know but um, fish, you would think, tastes like fish. The same fish in America is going to be the same fish in China. But actually, they're very differently tasting. And so by the time we're ready to be at commercial scale to get our products to China, we're going to really have to kind of change up the flavor a little more. They like a more fishy flavored fish, whereas in America, we prefer it a more subtle 
flavored fish. <laughs> and Tom says, please ask her to open a factory in Chicago. Well, she is based in Chicago, Tom. So your wish has already been granted. There's already a facility of some sort in Chicago. So, okay. So for people who were wrapping up, we have one minute left. When can we go to the store or go to a shop or go, I mean, exactly when, because people are super, super, super excited about this. Thank you. Yeah, um, we are going to be starting having uh, product drops and pop-up menus across the U.S. starting in January. They are going to be smaller events, like one day only kind of events for a little while, but they are going to start in January. Wow. I, I Honestly, you have made my week, my month, because I happen to live at the beach. I see the oceans. Don't tell anybody, but I fed the seagulls this morning. Some peanuts. They love peanuts and some ravens too, some blackbirds. Um, and, you know, I look out to that ocean and I am so thrilled by it, but then I get sad thinking about what we're doing to these oceans. And it's all so unnecessary. We could live in a world of natural abundance where everybody has all the seafood they need without killing a single fish. And you're going to make that happen. You are my hero. I am so honored and thrilled and really choked up that you appeared on Unchained TV. Um, we're going to put this up, this interview on the network. So hopefully people around the world will see it. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you wow. And Palermo, Aqua CEO. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. <laughs>